0: Welcome to Talent Savvy, the podcast that inspires you on all things talent. In today's episode, we will be talking about buying HR technologies. We will be answering the age-old question, should you buy an all-in-one platform or go for a best-of-breed tech stack? We'll answer the question, should you look at new technologies before you're thinking of buying them, or should you at least know what you're looking for before you have a demo? And last but not least, what is the most told lie by HR tech vendors. Enjoy the show. My name is Bas van der Haatert, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sophia Breuberger and a new co-host, Steve Jacobs. Steve, why don't you introduce yourself to our public and tell everybody what you do?
1: So thank you very much for having me on, my first one. I and I'm currently uh, Head of uh, market, Markets and Commercial HQ Talent Acquisition for a very cool micro-mobility company, a sustainable micro-mobility company called Voy Voy Technology, headquartered in Stockholm, but currently across 11 locations across Europe and the UK. <laughs> Been working in the recruitment industry for 16, 17 years now, I actually lose track of time. So almost a veteran, but... Still got a fair way to go.
0: And can you share with our audience of maybe a few of your previous experiences?
1: Yeah, I've worked for various different hypergrowth organizations within the tech and SaaS space. I suppose the biggest project that I ever worked on was um digital transformation program for McDonald's. I'm sure you all know who McDonald's are, where I built the team who delivered on building out our products for the, the kiosks and the mobile apps and the websites and then uh, delivered them and rolled them out across 27 uh, countries uh, in Europe. So corporate
0: experience as well as quick scale up. Experience.
1: Yeah, it was more it was definitely startup because essentially I was building a startup within a corporate you know, organization. So, it, there was a lot of real kind of oh I'd describe as change management going on. And, you know, it was quite scary for, for people, that, for the employees who had been with the organization for you know, quite a long time. When they hear the word digital, they're like, uh oh, what's happening? <laughs> but it was a great education for them.
0: All right. So, before we get started on today's show, a quick word from our sponsor
2: European talent, intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence with innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European Talent Intelligence.
0: All right, so we're back. So, Steve,
1: what's your news of the week? My news of the week. Well, speaking from experience, I can definitely say that Brexit is uh, is rearing its challenging head again. Given the uh, the shortage of labour in the uh, in the UK at the moment, there is. Well, you've obviously seen, you know, for anybody who's been following the UK market, there's been a huge increase of delivery companies and dark store organisations that are getting, you know, millions and millions of uh, investment, which is great. Uh, And it's obviously creating a lot of uh, jobs um, across the UK. However, it also means that a lot of companies like ourselves are fighting for uh, for that talent. And there is definitely... Not a lot to go around, shall we say. And I think it's fair to say that the long-established organizations like even your Sainsbury's and your Tesco's and, and the Okada's of the world are experiencing those challenges as well, from warehouse staff to, to drivers. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of having to relook at brand equity and a lot of looking at uh, pay and stability, you know, should everyone be offered a temp contract? Should it be a fixed term contract? Should it be a permanent contract? So I think there's going to be a lot of rethinking this year.
0: All right. And are you seeing uh, wages being increasing for those workers?
1: So I'm seeing wages being increased I'm also, uh, from, from let's say, new tech organizations uh, that are launching. I'm also seeing a lot of uh, sign-on bonuses. Obviously, the most most recent one was probably Amazon where they think they've increased it to $3,000 or 3,000 euros, pounds now for warehouse staff sign-on, you know. So it's it is really is, you know, I don't like to use the word war on talent or the words war on talent because it's not really a war, but there's just it's it's competitive, right? And you just need to make yourself, you need to really be very creative in the way that you come across in your proposition. And I think talent development is also going to play a big part in this as well.
0: I'm just so surprised because here in the Netherlands we just don't see sign-on bonuses. We see everything else. I mean, uh, New York Pizza is now offering you a chance to go into space. Literally, uh, they're going to uh, buy one space tourism ticket for everybody. We've got one temp agency who was giving people mopeds wow. because uh, they're in a rural area. But... Cash sign-on bonuses are just so not done in the Netherlands. I'm pretty sure that if I even suggested it to any hiring, to any recruitment manager or hiring manager, I would be booted out straight away. It's, it's such an interesting culture.
3: Don't you think it's a difference between like different industries? Because I mean, I never really seen it a lot here in Sweden before. But I think now kind of within the gaming industry, it happens a bit more. So don't you think it could be kind of industry-specific as well, even in the Netherlands?
0: Mm, it, it could be, but I, I don't see it in the, those industries here as well. But it might be, you know, the gaming industry is, is out of my focus
3: in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I that's what I mean. Maybe that's what, why you don't necessarily see it, because sure. I didn't see it a lot before either.
1: Well, let's put it another way. If companies are offering referral bonuses to the employees, there's obviously budget for that right but if that budget okay. isn't being used because the employees are not actually referring anybody then why could you not use that for sign on bonuses oh
0: listen i fully agree i've actually had a debate about why is our uh, referral bonus this low while we're paying like 10x that amount to an agency who does nothing else but supply us with a resume uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i I actually, the, at one of the SMEs I advised, this one was actually the reason we had a, a bonus bonus. So everybody who referred a second person in the year actually got, next to the referral bonus, got a weekend. This was pre-COVID. A weekend to European capital by choice with his spouse. So one extra day off and just uh, a flight and a, a hotel for two. And... The CEO of that company was like, Is that an instead of the cash bonus? I'm like, No, but I see here your agency spend, which went up last year by 50 grand. I'm pretty sure we're not going to spend 50 grand on the, this. Uh, you know, that mm-hmm. would be because that's actually 10x the hiring amount we have. He's like, mm, You got a point. So, my news of the week is actually. I read two things which were related. The first one was that the average birth per woman in the US has dramatically dropped over the past 10 years from over two to the lowest since 1979, 1.6 children per woman in the USA, which interestingly enough was mainly due to a decrease in pregnancies which is of course a positive thing but now the US is below the uh, average to replace its own population and then I found this really cool stat and I will post it in the uh, show notes about a 2060 labor market population so how are we going to be between now and 40 years and South Korea is actually losing 43% of its working population, Japan 35, Spain and Italy 26, the EU as average 21, the Netherlands 13, the US is still growing by 9%, which is probably mainly because of immigration, and Sweden, Sofia, is up 6% over the next 40 years. Norway plus sixteen and for our Australian listeners, you're actually growing by twenty-five percent. So wow. Sweden is one of the three European countries which is still growing. Any thoughts on that? Where where is that coming from, Sophia?
3: I I honestly don't know. I know that you were you had some ideas about whether this would be related to kind of the the way we look at parental leave and, and supporting people working, but I mean it could basically be that we are quite a small country, that we aren't that many people yet, but we're also quite a lot surface, so there's a lot of space. So we have maybe the room to actually grow. Yeah, but it's... it's I don't
0: know. The, the thing, of course, with labour market population is that they simply look at the people who are already born. You know, it's, it's pretty good to be projected because you become, at age 25... In your labor market, this is thirty, thirty-five 35 years ahead. It's mm-hmm. quite predictable because everybody who needs to be born now isn't in there. But apparently, the Swedish child quote is still pretty high up. I know you have one of the most progressive uh, parental leave policies in the world, probably. Could, could you just share for our listeners quickly how many days do you how ma- how much time do you get off as parents when a child is born
3: the current setup is that you have 480 days to use before the the kid turns 12 but you have to use half of the half of it before they turn 4 and half of it then before they turn 12 otherwise you lose it and yeah and that's that's basically what it is
0: so so you got a year and a half of parental leave i mean compare that to the netherlands where the woman gets three months and the husband gets four days it's it's quite
3: yeah in in sweden the 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 dad or the or the parent not giving birth because i mean that could be in a woman as well gets 10 days at the birth of the child, which is on top of the 480. And then the 480, 90 of them uh, has to be used by each parent. So 90 has to be taken by one parent and 90 has to be taken by the other. And the other 300 is left. You can share between you as you wish.
0: All right. So let's then go on to our topic of today, which is buying... HR technology, recruitment technology. Uh, we've crowdsourced some questions, and let's go uh, to the very first question. You both are practitioners, so what's your feeling about having an all-in-one platform, basically doing everything from the ATS or the maybe even the HGM system, or having a tech stack with a lot of best-of-breed applications? Steve, can I ask your opinion first?
1: So I've been buying HR tech probably for almost 10 years now and I've seen good tech, I've seen bad tech, but I've also seen bad tech turn into good tech as well. Because naturally, you know, any product that comes out will go through many iterations and will continue to improve and get better by asking the right questions to the clients and by listening and asking, you know, the TA experts essentially. I guess from, from what my, my feeling is I'm not a big fan of all-in-one systems. I've not seen them work very well. I'm not going to mention any names, but I have seen, you know, HR HRIS, HRIS systems try to come out with their own versions of an ATS. It looks messy. It's horrible. And you cannot, you know, you're getting two different data points which actually are not talking to each other. And it it just, for me, it doesn't work. I've never thought that an all in one system, you know, will work very well. There's too much going on. There's too much tech going on. And I think you should just be a little bit human here and have like focus, right? Like focus on what you do best and be the best at that, right? Like if you're an HRIS system, if you're an ATS system, if you're an assessment platform, you know, if you're a a referral platform, I wouldn't like to see a referral platform start becoming like a candidate, you know, database, right? That's not what they do. And and I've seen companies try to do that and it doesn't work very well because then you have to do the whole candidate management piece, which, you know, can be awful. So I think it just doesn't work. And there's a reason why there are you know products out there which do incredibly well because they have that focus and they and they listen to their uh, to their consumers, they listen to their customers, they listen to the TA experts, and they get it right.
0: right.
1: Sophia,
3: no, I I agree, and I mean because it's having that one system to do all of it, it will do all of it kind of badly, but not necessarily badly, but it will do all of it okay, but it won't be expert like you're saying going to be expert at something and the same with let's say ATSs there's so many ATSs out there and one might work better for my organization but not where Steve is because we all have different needs just like organizations have different needs different teams will have different needs so ha- trying to cater to everyone in one go is never going to work. We're not We're not all going to pick the same system. We're not all going to pick the same EDS because we're going to be looking at different aspects. So there's got to be a variety out there for us to pick from. And it's the same when choosing anything, whether it's a system, whether it's a company to work for, whether it's clothes, I don't know. It's, a, you know, there's not a one thing fits all. So then trying to accommodate everyone is going to fall flat. And trying to accommodate every aspect of recruitment and HR you're going to fall flat. So I agree with Steve, you have to be an expert in one area and do that well. And then the people that are after your expertise expertise and wanting your system that does exactly what you do and the way you do it, they're going to come to you. But not everyone are going to come to you because they don't want that system. But the people who are looking for that are going to come to you.
0: Now, I I fully agree, and I've never been a big fan personally of the all-in-one systems, but the one thing which I'm really seen take off is the fact that the API has become so much more normal, and it's so much easier to integrate between tools than it was five or six years ago, that the entire reason for having an all-in-one system has also pretty much dropped except for those few systems who just don't play well together with
1: others. Mm -hmm. If I could just kind of follow on from there, Mm -hmm. what we have now is we have, we have really good and not so good API integrations, right? With a lot of our systems and, and they're getting better and they're getting better. And actually, when you have the right integration, so let's take, I don't know, an ATS, okay, and you want to connect it to your HRIS or you want to connect it through to your assessment platform because it's part of your interview process, it feels like an all-in-one, right? So if you have the right triggers in there and you build it all into the ATS, then it feels like an all-in-one, right? It's only when it kind of doesn't work and you have to contact various different people that's probably the only thing that kind of takes away your time but you know you, you, it's almost like gathering a group of scientists in a room and you know the brightest minds in the world they don't work with each other they're not the same people but they all have the same mindset and they're all working you know in one kind of harmony together right uh trying to solve the the hardest uh, problems in the world
3: Exactly, collaborating with other companies and working together. Like we're the experts in, in this area and would love to connect with you because we believe your system would integrate well with ours or like there's a connection there when people do this and that. And, and working on those kind of business relationships and, and establishing yeah. that, I think it's better.
0: No, Definitely, and it's become so much easier over the last couple of years. No question. Second question is actually one from our good friends at Other. So the question is, should you be demoing new technology before you're actually looking for it? Should you be looking at new types of TA tech, HR tech, or should you first have a question, have a serious proposal, look for something before you're even going to talk to vendors? Any ideas, Sophia?
3: See, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure I I fully understand. The question because it is the same thing when you are going to buy anything, whether it 's a system, whether it 's a car, whether it 's a house you 're going to start looking, seeing what 's out there, understanding what they do, what the system okay is so I need something that can do this so here 's the system, maybe I look at it and you'll realize that isn 't the system for you, and I think you need to go through that to kind of you need to see what 's out there in order to understand what you want and need sometimes, so it's not a question of like, how would I know what I need and what I want without looking at what's out there? And, and sometimes also it comes the other way, right? Because otherwise you'll get the vendors getting at you going, get a demo with us, get a demo with us. Because I feel like this question is slightly coming from vendors who are annoyed at people doing demos and they're not buying, but also they're going after us going, do a demo with us. So it's a bit like what comes first, chicken or the egg or the vendors chasing or us asking for demos. I don't know.
1: Steve? Yeah, uh, if I can say, you know, hello, Alan and Jeremy. So as a recruiter, I feel that research is, is incredibly important, right? So me personally, even if I'm not buying, I'm always researching to see what is the latest and greatest out there, right? Because it's really important for you to, to get that knowledge, but also, you know, staying up to date and building up relationships with some of these vendors, you know, because at some point you may need them. Right. But also if you are keeping up to date all the time and you walk into, you know, a new job and you've got to deliver a talent acquisition strategy, you've already got your, you know, your toolkit, right. You've got your utility belt around you. You know who the best players are for whatever subject area it is. And, you probably, you know, I'm not talking shortcuts here, but you just, you're fast tracking your talent acquisition strategy, right? So you're okay. you're prepared quicker than you would be if you had to kind of sit in the organization and, and evaluate and then set up multiple demos all the time. I think as a recruiter, it's important to, to network and, you know, and have those demonstrations with various different vendors all, all the time, you know.
3: Because if that as you grow, you might need. Okay, I, I will need that system when we have this. Okay, you might need that next year, and like like understanding what's out there, what the tools can do for you, so that you know what's out there when you need them. Exactly. Not, not having to start. It's the same. Like we we moved into this house a year and a half ago. It was not the first house we looked at we looked at We looked at houses before we even had the mortgage approved to kind of go what areas do we want to be in what 's out there what are what prices are they going for so understanding the market, knowing what 's out there before making decisions and i would I would say that 's the same with Demoing systems, knowing what's out there, knowing what your what the possibility, what you can buy and what you can't, what the prices are, so you know that if you're going, I want to get this system and and kind of going for a budget, going oh, for next year, I need this much budget because I'm looking at some sort of system like this. So yeah, I would go demo for all the like. What would be stopping me in terms of demoing random stuff would be time. Maybe I don't have time to do random demos. But if you do have the time to do random demos, go for it, because you might learn something from it. You might realize, yeah, that tool would actually be really helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. no, I, I fully agree. I've actually, one of the things I always notice when I'm coming into a corporate, which is mainly my market, is the lack of knowledge of what's out there. And I've seen it a few times now at my clients where they were looking at buying something. And I'm like, why are you buying that completely obsolete old technology and they're like yeah what else is out there and and this goes not just for recruitment but also for for all of HR that they wanted to do the two annual employee uh, engagement survey and I'm like why aren't we doing this every month they're like right. how can you do this every month and I'm like well there are tools for that and they had no idea of the technology which was out there right. so yeah I'm also a big proponent of make sure you're your in the know and that you know who's out there and to be honest the other parts of you just raised get your budget approved especially if you're looking at traditional organizations who have year budget cycles
3: one thing that came up when you were talking talking then about the um you know should you be looking at stuff and you know they were looking to buy something because of the purchase cycle in that sense i've experienced also as well where Maybe people, teams or HR teams are looking to buy something to solve a problem. So they're just looking to buy the tool or the tech. Like this example I have was they wanted to solve referrals. So they were looking to buy a system for referrals, but we weren't getting any referrals. Why do we need a system for referrals if we're not getting referrals? Let's start working on, on our culture. of referrals so we start getting referrals and when we have too many referrals that we can't handle manually that's when we buy the tool. I also spoke to a a person today just asked me for a bit of advice they were looking to grow the company and going to start recruitment and his idea was like oh I want to start looking at an ATS and we're looking to buying this ATS and okay so how many applicants are you currently getting Oh, none. I'm like, OK, an ATS aren't going to get you applicants. So maybe you need to look at your strategy. How are we getting applicants? And then when you can't handle them, that's when you get the system in there, because it isn't the system. An ATS are not going to get you applicants. A referral system aren't going to get you referrals. So it's also kind of which end you start. And I think sometimes people are starting the wrong end by looking at the tech when that the
0: tech isn't the issue.
1: Yeah, which is why humans will never be replaced. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Let's move on to the last question to finish this one up because we're running towards the half hour mark. What is the biggest or the most common lie that vendors have told you in your history as a recruiter? You don't have to name the vendors, just what's the most common thing that you're
1: lied to about? Steve? I would say two things. One, that they, can, that they can do everything and integrate with everyone. And the second one is data, uh, that they can produce great data, great reports, you know, accuracy of 99.9%, which is really not, because it can't be 100. Yeah, I've never seen a very good, I've ne- just never seen very good examples of that. All right. Sophia?
3: I'm going to have to go for, for the same ones, basically saying, yes, we can do that. Yes, we can sort that to anything you're saying. And I'd rather have somebody being honest, saying, no, we can't do that. Oh, would this a workaround or whatever. Be honest with what you can. And also, I agree also with that data. There's so much data that people are providing that are, they're only providing data that benefits them, that kind of skewered towards, to show them it isn't honest data, isn't real one. Just using their own data, kind of m- to um, make claims that support them, and when you question it, they kind of get all flustered.
1: Yeah. One more, sorry, one more as well, just to kind of just get in there. This because it ma- does make me laugh is is when they tell you how many clients they're working with. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one.
0: Well, yeah. I. I have nothing to add to these, except for saying that we actually talked in our last episode about the ATS on how to check for this, you know, what, how should your demos look like, I think, with these vendor lies, that's probably very important for each and every one of your vendors. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you like the show, give us a rating in Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this show. Tell your friends about it. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week.